19 minutes after 11 o'clock. Lukona Mguni joins me on the line. Lukona, good evening to you, sir. And thank you very much for your um, yeah for your presence here on the show. Much appreciated. Good evening, Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, maybe let's start with that, Lukona. And it's interesting that you and I are going to be having this conversation in English, even though both of us can speak Isizul, and maybe we yeah. can also speak a little bit of Sisoto, Sitswana, whatever the case may be. But give me your thoughts about what transpired this morning as our Kolani Kuala spoke to Lumka Olifant. My, my sense is that uh, she did not want to answer the pointed questions about the issue, which is the looming crisis at uh, Sasa. She knew that Kolani uh, um, uh, Kuala was going to ask the kind of questions that he's well known for asking. Those very sharp, those very incisive, very, very uh, succinct questions that go to the point. And she wasn't, she didn't have the pet appetite to go that route. And so she took a very important issue, the language issue and uh, the... The, the, the dynamism of the issue and she inserted it into this and played what I believe was a master political stroke to avoid talking about the issues. But your thoughts? I don't even think the master stroke was premeditated. I think it was by chance. Yeah. Um, you know, when incompetence meets fatigue, there's always going to be a problem. When incompetence um, meets fatigue? No. Oh, um, Lukonamguni, you're a poet and you no. don't even know it. <laughs> Lumka, Lumka, Lumka's approach. I think she must have been really fatigued. I yeah. mean, this, if you are in her shoes, this is a massive, massive uh, story. Sure. And the number of interviews. I mean, I think by the time she reached Tolani in the same morning, yeah. she'd already done two or three interviews. Sure. And they are not comfortable interviews. And they are interviews that she doesn't really have answers yeah. for. Yeah. I think by the time she reaches Tonani, you know, uh, you also probably play at a level of familiarity, but yeah. also you tend to want to provoke a situation much further than uh, you should. And of course, I think in the last few months, she has not really come out as um, uh, yeah. well, well-rounded, well-meaning, well-mannered uh, departmental spokesperson. Mm. And that just came to the fore. And of course, then... She might have realized in her moment uh, of, of, of saying, let's, let's, let's speak about this one. And this is you know what? She might be riding on a wave. I think that was an accidental ride. And then she goes on to that wave and clearly, clearly, clearly doesn't want to answer Tolani. And she was aware, I think, yep. that eventually Tolani is going to recuse her yep. From, yep. from the interview. And she was more than willing to have that done because it was weight off her shoulders and a distraction to the real issues. So she had won twice. She was relieved, no interview for her food. And and of course, I mean, the public debate started being about her. And now, you see, she hasn't even declared that she was making a language issue. But people have now said, okay, let's have an important uh, 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 in, in an important conversation about the place of other languages on 702. Yeah. But you see, this is exactly a diversion tactic. This is how you divert attention from serious issues, as you have been saying. But there's another important part. Mm. 702, of course, uh, is a media, uh, a medium of a particular 
language command, it yes. has in its instances, in certain instances, allowed people to express themselves in their mother tongue. Yeah. But predominantly, it is a medium of a particular command. Now, yeah. if you were to talk about language diversity, now let's say for argument's sake, if we did have language diversity and you knew that this is an Isikosa-speaking school, yeah. this is an African-speaking school, you can then go there and demand that your child be taught in Sijuana because yeah. you, you know that this is an African-medium school, this is a medium school. Mm-hmm. So really, there is another opportunistic exercise where I think people hijack noble causes yeah. and try and spin them to sort of get out of their own political problems. And this is really self-serving. And it's not the kind of leadership yeah. that is going to get us closer to the realization of these very important rights uh, that mark our diversity. Yeah, yeah. When when comp- when incompetence meets fatigue, you know that that was beautifully said, Lukona. Thank you very much. Uh, in order for us not to fall into the trap that has been set yeah. now by Lumka, let's go into the issue as uh, as it looms. Um, the first of April is uh, almost upon us. It's almost twenty days to that day. Uh, we are hearing that the minister is in discussions with uh, CPS. Uh, for an extended contract or a new contract for two years with that particular company. We are also aware that that company uh, and the contract that they currently have is, is unlawful. That's what the uh, Constitutional Court said to us. We are aware that um, the minister has not been available at a number of uh, platforms where she had to account. We're talking about Scopa, we're talking about the uh, the. Um, uh, the uh, Portfolio Committee on Social Development. We're talking about just plain old Parliament. We're talking various uh, presses that she uh, was involved in, and so forth. The question now is: What what is stopping the the Sasa and CPS um, agreement for two years at this point? What is there? What is stopping the Sasa CPS agreement from being signed? At this point, oh. I mean, I, 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 I imagine that that is the one priority that, that they've got to sign this so that they, uh, the SASA people, including the minister, can now come out and say, no, no, we have an agreement that it's signed. What is stopping that agreement from being signed? Well, I think the biggest question is whether or not you can actually extend an invalid contract to begin with. Uh, so the Constitutional Court made it expressly clear that uh, the 2012 uh, SASA contract with CPS is invalid, but they are going to suspend uh, the declaration of, of invalidity because the Constitution allows the court uh, powers to suspend the declaration of invalidity insofar as that invalidity has implications to affect um, certain uh, deliverables to the public. And the issue of social security is a constitutional right, and it is a right that must uh, be fulfilled to society. So having granted that the contract is invalid between SASA and CPS, if the constitutional decides that in the words, CPS and that is working out from its constitutional responsibility to pay uh, to grant grant beneficiaries, and the constitutional court was quite clear that the minute CPS took on a function to give a public good, which is the, the administration of social grants, it 
in and on itself became a state organ, even though that government does not have control over CPS. And therefore, because it now became a state organ by virtue of SASA delegating its obligations to CPS, CPS then had a mandate not to walk away from the contract, hence the constitutional court suspended the declaration on invalidity. Now, the question is, if there is an extension of this contract by another two years, the first question is, what will SASA do differently in that two years? What if in, in two years' time we are at the same point? Because, you see, the, the, the smartness, if anyone is benefiting from this loose arrangement, this unconstitutional arrangement, if anyone is benefiting, it must be then in the, born in their minds that, you know what, because of the magnitude of what is involved here, social grants, no matter what we do to this contract, it will just keep on perpetually uh, 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 sort of, what we call it, extending itself. Or so in those extensions, while it might be an invalid, because they can't really say that let's walk away from this contract. Now that is, um, so that's a possibility. You can say it's a meeting, theory, but shown cause on once as I had to the constitutional come first April 2017 the functions that are being performed by CPS and they want to pay the grant themselves yeah now SASA must have known at some point that they need this particular infrastructure these are the requisites for them to be ready by 1 April. Now, when did SASA know that they would not be ready as the agency to take over the functions of CPS? That's question number one. Question number two, when they knew that they were not ready, why did they not prepare another tendering process to make sure that instead of being in a sticky situation of wanting to extend an invalid contract, they actually adjudicate for a new tender system and then appoint a service provider within what they should have done back in 2014 when the court said within 30 days of April's judgment in 2014, a new tendering process must be set into motion. So you've got a situation really where SASA has uh, under the leadership of the Department of Social Development, acted intransigent uh, to the Constitution and has literally ignored and undermined the constitutional court standing and actually ignored and undermined the gravitas of the situation that already yeah. the contract that they are operating with, uh, uh, with CPS is actually an invalid contract. Let's talk a little bit. Let's, let's step a little bit back, uh, Lumka. I mean, Lukon. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, man. All right, now here's the thing, uh, Lukon. Uh, why was the contract with, uh, with CPS considered to be invalid or perhaps unlawful by the Constitutional Court? What were the reasons? Well, the... The Constitutional Court's uh, judgment on uh, fair remedy, uh, uh, just and equitable remedy, summarizes that there were two grounds for invalidity. And maybe let me just quote from the judgment itself. Um, the first ground was that SASA had failed to ensure that 
the empowerment credentials claimed by CPS were objectively confirmed. Of course, we all know that CPS is an internationally owned company. Yes. And for them to... I believe, it, be I believe it's, 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 it's owned by Americans. Is it Americans? Yeah, the Americans are involved, and I and I see yeah, uh, uh, some Australians might be involved. Yes. Uh, but it is. But it's definitely not a JSE. South African company, right? Yeah, it's yeah. listed in the JSE and in the Nasdaq uh, in in New York. Now, uh, so the first would have, the the CPS would have had to acquire a BEE uh, partner. And the claim is that they did not scrutinize their BE partnership. Uh, there has been some interesting information coming out from Amabungane uh, yeah. about uh, what is the setup and what is the arrangement with CPS's uh, BEE partners there. Mm. Um, but let's pack that for now. Yeah. Um, the second claim that was made... Oh, but by the way, interesting, Lukona, that it was something that the DA... Um, MP at last week's uh, uh, portfolio committee meeting raised that issue too, uh, referring, of course, to the fact that the president has been speaking about uh, radical, radical, uh, radical uh, economic transformation, and we are not seeing that. So, so it was a, I suppose, a throw forward from the judgment. Well, sort of, sort of. I mean, uh, born from the judgment, but also really born from uh, the mere fact that it seems as if the state is overly protecting CPS and overly favoring CPS to carry on with this job. So then the question becomes, how do you protect a foreign company so much when you are talking about Ah, radical economic transformation and running away from white monopoly capital, which is uh, uh, seen as a global phenomenon. That is why a friend of mine this afternoon said, you know, I have a solution. Let us just nationalize uh, CPS once and for all, and that will save money. (laughs) That will save the state money because CPS has made profits in any case. But uh, the first so had to do with those BE issues. The second was that of the um, the bidder's notice too uh, did not specify with sufficient clarity what was required of bidders in relation to biometric verification. Now, as a consequence of that, what happened is that only one bidder made it to the second stage of the process, and that's CPS. Mm-hmm. Now, the Constitutional Court argues that uh, this lack of clarity in the bidder's notice too led to an uncompetitive process uh, because there was no op- opportunity to do a comparison of pricing because there was only one bidder left in the second round Mm. of the process. And uh, at a later stage, the court finds that, in fact, not only was bidder's notice too uh, not specific enough, what it led to was that the bid evaluation committee and the bid adjudication committee were not always sure of the requirements set out in bidder's notice too. Yeah. So you literally have a situation here where uh, the, the people that must tender are not clear what is expected of them and the people that are going to adjudicate and evaluate are also not clear what is actually being asked by themselves of the tenderers. So, so you, 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 in, in that sense, you then have a, an administrative, because really the constitutional court uh, challenge uh, was on the administrative aspect of the tender. And administratively, uh, this tendering of, uh, that led to CPS winning the contract was not uh, lawful and regular, as it were.
So the current situation is that the the contract or the tender is invalid, but of course because of the fact that uh, um, CPS has uh, effectively become a, a state organ, uh, we continued with this contract from 2014, right? Um, And uh, now we have a situation where the minister and SASA are pushing for this uh, contract to to go ahead. First, we have hanging over the heads of SASA, the sword of Democles, which is the uh, ruling by the Constitutional Court, declaring this contract invalid and, and unlawful. But we also have a situation where the South African uh, Department of Finance or Treasury has to somehow endorse this agreement and they seem to be quite reticent to do so because of the Constitutional Court ruling. My question then, Lukona, to you is how can we be having the members of Social of SASA um, suggesting that this is going to be the case, that this, this agreement is going to be made? And uh, and if Treasury is not going to be signing off on that, uh, can SASA just go ahead with this agreement? And does that mean that um, Treasury will be forced to release the 10 whatever billion rands that it must release to the 17 million people, given the fact that they are not very happy to do so? Well, I, I, I think what SASA is going to do is that it's eventually going to have to lodge an urgent um, application with the Constitutional Court to sort of um, untie uh, Treasury from the predicament of not wanting to act unlawfully. So SASA is very much aware, and people around it, they are very much aware that the, in the public interest to have beneficiaries uh, paid their grant money far outweighs any contractual uh, setups. So, at the end of the day, one, the, if you if you go back to the merits case, well, there are about three, there are about three cases within one case really. Um, so the merits case uh, that was concluded in November 2013 um, dealt with issues of constitutional obligations, and I think it's very clear from there that the constitutional court will not allow a situation wherein. Uh, the grant recipients are disadvantaged. So that is that is that we know. We know that on the first of April, people will be paid their money. That yeah. is guaranteed, and the chances are they will pay that money under CPS. Somehow, CPS has made itself an indispensable part of the Department of Social Development, and this is what needs to be interrogated. Why did the department and SASA allow CPS? to be in a position where it can hold the department at ransom. And the reality is that politically and otherwise, there has been no follow-through on the constitutional court judgment. And if there had been follow-through on the constitutional court judgment, on the 1st of April 2017, SASA would be in a position to literally deliver these monies. But of course, on the other hand, I mean, what is CPS without SASA in terms of the South African subsidiary now? Yeah. Uh, it is not much. And is Sasa thinking about making an offer to CPS to buy out uh, Net One, for example, as the parent owner of CPS? Buy them out. Let's say you had to say, let's buy them out for even 10 billion. Remember, this contract was worth 10 billion over five years. Yeah. Um, if you bought CPS for 10 billion, acquired its infrastructure, 
its personnel and everything and continue to run it, but the FASA runs it. In the long term, uh, 20 years' time, it would have been a worthy buy. Uh, how did SASA envisage being ready? So at the heart of this whole thing is that people know they are using people's lives, vulnerable, ordinary people's lives, that are unfortunately a core constituency of the ruling party, and they are using them to play commercial games. Yep. around and dance around the constitution and it is a very tragic situation because suddenly uh, the next one will see that or oh, if they dance around the constitution let's say with the right to education and they use it to benefit certain people yep. uh, without recourse uh, to the law then we will continuously degenerate into this state of impunity where the laws make uh, judgments, but no one takes them up because they know that anyway the, the courts are tied by the constitutional obligations that must be fulfilled uh, by these arrangements. All right, we're going to take a few calls, 011-883-0702, and I'd like to invite you to be part of this conversation, whatever questions, whatever comments you might have about, I don't know, what we could call the Sasa debacle. Uh, perhaps you could give us a call and give us your thoughts around it. But look, Honor, you you would have heard perhaps some of the comments by the um, the chairperson of Scopa, Mr. Temba Gordy, suggesting that this is and 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 you would have read the newspapers yesterday, suggesting that um, this was a crisis created by SASA. It was a crisis created by the Department of Social Development in order to put us in this situation where we must. We must be. We must then go cap in hand to CPS and work with them. And the idea was that there may be some some corruption there. If I understood Scopa's chairperson well, that there is a whiff of corruption there. How 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 true would that assessment be? Well, well I, I I I think really what. Uh God, he was trying to allude to is that uh, there's something in Kangmo, uh, you know, there's some smelly fish here. Uh, and and what he's really trying to say That's is... And that's what he's alluding to. And look, logically, the question must be posed. Why did Sasa entangle itself deliberately in this mess when it had been given a guideline and a framework on how to get out of this mess by the apex court in the land, the constitutional court. And if anybody can answer that question, I think we will be much happier people. You know, Aubrey, this is not the first time a government department has entangled itself in a serious problematic contract where government ends up really going cap in hand to the service provider. Even in the Department of Transport, there is such a problem with the company that issues licensed cars. Yes. Where the contract has been on, an, on a, I don't know if it's now a month-to-month extension, really, but we're talking about contracts that cost millions of rents. But we are saying we can't find alternative suppliers, we can't find alternative service providers. I mean, at some point... 
when do you actually do the skills transfer necessary to perform certain tasks domestically? Why do we always entangle ourselves with international companies to provide on key strategic issues? I mean, you can talk Especially about... Especially when, when, when we have this, this doctrine of radical economic transformation. Oh yes. Uh, well, of course, this is a new thing. I mean, let's let 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 let's forgive. Let's also forgive the the politics of rhetoric of the season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this radical thing is, is really a new thing. But it is interesting that the conclusion of this contract was around that time. You know, this this radicalness emerged towards Mangaung in 2012 when we were talking about the second stage of the transition or the second <laughs> phase of the transition, and there was a big debate about that. Yeah. Um, what is clear, though, is to speak left, walk right. Those are the politics that we have been uh, witnessing in our country. The political establishment doesn't seem to understand the importance of delivering on constitutional imperatives without the desire for profit-making. Because even if you look at that BE, uh, uh, the BE reports that are coming out about uh, the CPS uh, deal, there seems to be an undertaking that uh, CPS had said uh, 75% of the work or 75% of the work will be delivered by the BE partners. But the information that's coming out says that, in fact, CPS did say that, but at the same time, there was another clause in its contract with the BE partners that they would transfer back to CPS 74 point something of the value. Now, it meant that, ideally speaking, the BE partners would get 0.1% of the contract value. Suddenly, 0.1% of 10 billion becomes 100 million, and that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Lukon Amgoni is my guest. Let's take a a break, and uh, we'll be taking calls straight off to the break, but uh, I'm also interested to bring Fakey Mantour into the whole uh, conversation. You would have heard yesterday um, that uh, she seems to have been reliably told, she says, that uh, perhaps uh, a Gupta family-owned company is up in is in line uh, to catch whatever falls through the cracks. In as far as this deal is concerned, I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. But please give us a call: zero double one eight eight three zero seven zero two. We're talking about the Sasa debacle, and uh, I suppose the last question I'll be asking Lukona is: Will we be uh, seeing payment of grants come the first of of April? But more importantly, at what cost? 702. 702. Call us on 011-883-0702. When incompetence meets fatigue, says Luko Namguni, who is my guest, and he's an independent political analyst, and we are talking about the whole Sasa debacle from, from um, clandestine... Um, language policy issues that uh, perhaps don't belong to a particular debate, to the real financial issues uh, that are associated with the whole SASA CPS story. I'm also interested to hear what uh, Lukona's thoughts around uh, Feiki Mantour and her um, alleged revelations about a so-called Gupta-owned company that may uh, be in position to catch whatever falls through the cracks in as far as this de- um, this uh, contract is concerned. I'm interested to find out what uh, Lukona believes the next move for the Minister of Finance is. I'm talking here about Praveen Gordon and what your thoughts are about all of this. But before we continue with Lukona, let me speak to Sna- Snabo in Rand Park Ridge. Dr. Snabo, good uh, evening to you, uh, Doctor. 
Morning, morning, bro. Yes, I'm good. I'm good. We haven't hit the morning uh, yet, but we. Actually, 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 supposed to say, "Do me like my Hey, do How the hell did they get themselves uh, swimming in this brown stuff? Yeah. Like this. I mean, as uh, our fellow um, Dick in there, I would uh, look on, yes. have correctly said, is that it, the courts, as far as I know, I mean, now it's just to be corrected, do not uphold illegal contracts. So mm. because, because of um, what we call... Uh, Ratio, uh, ratio tactendi, or rather stare decisis, because now if they uphold an illegal contract, meaning that now with future contracts, they will have to um, uphold those, those uh, uh, illegal contracts as well. And if I remember correctly as well, um, if a court makes a judgment, they are bound by a decision that they've made so what they're actually asking the court is um, untenable, so to speak. But I mean, hey, yeah. they've got the the best and legal bright minds yeah. that um, are sort of pushing them in this direction. But then, as Lukwana said, um, they bound also to look at the Bonnie Morrison society. But then again, courts are not, um, or rather, will not be entangled with what society thinks, but the law. The law is the law. Yeah, but I mean, oh, don't, don't they area. don't they also have a, a an obligation to make sure that uh, over and above what the letter of the law says, but uh, of course the fact that uh, there's a service delivery issue here that may affect uh, 17 million people, uh, are they perhaps not uh, somehow uh, pressurized, Nabo, to uh, no, agree to agree to this agree, to this to this agreement between SASA and uh, CPS because of that reality? That if they don't, um, seventeen million people are going to suffer and suffer quite terribly. Well, then I'm guessing that um, the doctrine of stare decisis will be uh, questioned um, with this said case. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'd love to hear what um, sure. Dick, Dick and uh, Lukona has to say about this one. <laughs> Snabu in uh, Rand Park, Jerry in Rudapur, time. Hello, Jerry. Yes, how's yeah. it? Yeah, okay, man, how's it? Go for yeah, it. man, listen, I've been, I mean, listening to you on the way back from my farm, you know, the one Malema wants to take. But uh, uh, very interesting, and, and I want to congratulate your guest speaker tonight. It's very informative as to what's going on. But I've got one question, and the question is quite simply, everybody is talking about all this money that has to be spent, but it's actually taxpayers' money. This is people's hard-earned money and and I'm horrified as a taxpayer that this is how, you know, my money's been spent, that nobody knows how to spend it, where it should be spent, if it's legal, if it's not legal, uh, and that, that it's so politicized. I mean, this is hard-earned money from millions of people that, that everybody's just, you know, talking about, oh, well, you know, that's it. if it was your money, how would you spend it? And I'm not saying it shouldn't go to the grants. I don't have a problem with that. What I'm saying is the whole system 
is like crazy. I mean, I'm listening to uh, Lacona, what's his name? I, I, I didn't quite get it, but but he makes complete sense. He's talking about this as a businessman. I'm looking at this thing saying, hell, would I put my money into a scheme like this where nobody knows how it should be spent and where it should be spent and if it's legal and all the rest of it? But government seems to feel, well, they can do what they like. I mean, I... Jerry in thanks very much for your call. Lukona, your, uh, your, your comments uh, with uh, the calls that have come through. Uh, I'll, I'll take Jerry's land, only if it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I mean, Jerry is making a very important point. Let me start with him and go back to Snabu. Jerry is making an important point. And, you know, previously, I think maybe four or five years ago, I have said that South Africa needs a taxpayers' movement. People who will be interested to litigate on public interest where issues of tax money are involved. He's quite correct in the sense that, um, granted that CPS became the sole bidder uh, in this whole contract, it is also not true that they might, it is also true, I mean, that they might not have had the best pricing. They might have... Uh, been favored and therefore having inside information price in a way that allows them to recoup the highest profits that maybe another service provider wouldn't have actually made. So there is a possibility and especially uh, you might have been aware of that Net One has uh, uh, shown interest to acquire 15% of Celsius. Yeah. Now Net One owns CPS. Now we must start wondering, is it this grant money that have given it enough profit to start wanting to buy up a stake at Celsius for about 2 billion to 2.5 billion rand? So there is a lot that is worrying insofar as that the taxpayer might be shortchanged. And of course, a CPS is not going to deliver a service at the same cost that it did in 2012 when the contract was entered into. So now they are trying to arrange for a new cost of delivery per person per transaction. And that is, of course, going to mean more money spent uh, going forward on CPS if they carry on. So whatever way we look at it, what is important is whether CPS carries on or not. How does the taxpayer, how does the public hold SASA and DSD accountable to make sure that this time around they do not renege on the next proposed set of remedy? Sinabo, they're calling me Deacon. I, 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 I don't know of which domination or... or, or, or yeah, or, no, we, we, we think about starting a church. If all else fails, uh, we'll yeah, we, move may, into... Maybe, Lina, I need a parish of sorts. <laughs> um, but, but, but look, this is all about issues of accountability. First and foremost, accountability is important. Transparency is important. Uh, I think, uh, you know, even the Constitutional Court in its judgment... Uh, against us, I felt it important that it states that uh, Sasa had not been helpful, uh, they had adopted an unhelpful and almost obstructionist stance. Its conduct must be duplicated. Now, th- these are the words of the Constitutional Court in yeah. how Sasa conducted itself before the court. So we're really dealing here with a series of unhelpful behavior that seems to have been designed uh, to lend us into this crisis. So as far back as last year in November, 
Sasa uh, submitted a report to the Constitutional Court indicating that it is in a position where it won't be able to take over. Yes, they should have been uh, aware of this much earlier, and they don't mean to be pulling wool over the court's eyes, uh, uh, but they will be in a situation where they might have to extend. So this has been long coming that they want to extend this contract with CPS. What is clear is that they have pulled wool on in, on all of us and even on the constitutional Thank court. you, Mentor. We're running out of time. Thank you, Mentor. Uh, Fagimento, oh yeah, Fagimento, an interesting, she, she knows she, she, she carries some uh, public credentials where the Guptas are concerned, but I also think she's trying to play a, a deterrent role where in, even if they were thinking of appointing a Gupta company, they now won't because mm. she'll say, yes, we told you. So I think it's also uh, probably playing a safeguarding measure for the public, but of course we will say she's, a, she's seeking publicity and all of that, but her pronouncement alone could be enough to say even if that was in the pipeline. we got 30 seconds left. I won't hold you to this, Lucona. Will the Constitutional Court accept this deviation? Um, And uh, will will we be seeing payments come the 1st of uh, April? 1st of April, definitely there will be payments. Uh, The costs of that uh, to our Constitutional Order will be very, very, very magnificently big. Lukonam Guni, political analyst, thank you so much, sir, as always, for your sagacious uh, engagements. Much appreciated. Oh. Only a pleasure. Yeah. All right.